0: There's a hotel in Boston that's pretty nondescript, and I'm gonna describe part of it to you right now. It's part of this big hotel brand that you'd expect to find in any major city, and like lots of those hotels, this one offers valet parking. You pull up, and the attendant gives you a small yellow ticket. On the ticket is a number unique to your car. Just below the number are the following words. Thanks for using our valet service. Call us with the number above, and your car will be ready in 30 minutes. And so later that morning, maybe you call the front desk 30 minutes before you think you'll need the car. You expect them to say, "Thanks, the car will be ready in a half an hour." But then a man at the valet desk answers. "Okay, number 34891. Got it. Car will be up in 10 minutes." It feels like a gift. You were thinking 30 and they said 10. You quickly grab your coat and head down to the lobby where, to your surprise, your car is already idling by the front door. You glance at your watch. It's been 5 minutes. This happens the same way that evening, too, when you want to take your car out again. The ticket, of course, still says 30 minutes. The man on the phone also says the same thing. Car will be ready in 10 minutes. And if you rush downstairs, the car is already there. The next morning, sure enough, ticket says 30, the man on the phone says 10, and the car is ready in five. Every single time. Awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, at first... Because a funny thing happens the more you experience this awesomeness. It starts to feel less awesome. The first time was a total surprise. It was delightful. The second time was a slight surprise and also delightful. The third time, okay, not a surprise. You can kind of see the pattern, but you still appreciate it. And on and on things go until this delightful feeling just disappears. It suddenly just feels like the norm. If you came back to this hotel later in the year... They wouldn't exceed your expectations. No. Now, this is just what you expect. This is the paradox of exceeding expectations with our work. The moment we do, we've subtly changed their expectations. And if we keep doing the same things the same ways every single time, well, that emotion wears away. What used to resonate now kind of falls flat. At best, it becomes predictable and comfortable. But at worst, it becomes forgettable even if it started as delightful. I think about that valet service all the time. On the one hand, I want to exceed your expectations. I want to impress you. I want to hear from you. I need to hear other people say nice things about what I do. Every time out, the more passionately you say it, the better I feel. It's almost like an addiction or like like, a, like an actual need, like breathing oxygen, honestly. So on one hand, I really want to exceed your expectations. On the other, if I do, then, then what? It's like every single thing I launch has to be the absolute most impressive thing I've ever given to you. The question I keep asking is, as creators, should we focus on exceeding our audience's expectations? Or maybe the question is, can we? Is it even possible? Is it foolish to try? Maybe what we can do is think about our own expectations, to tinker, to test, to play, or as David Bowie once said, to wade out into the water slightly further to where your toes just barely don't touch the ground, because it's right there that you're in a place to do something exciting. What if that? is just our constant task, to push ourselves further and further, little by little. What if we never thought about what others thought about what we were making? By simply focusing on our own abilities, our own momentum, our own aspirations and moments of delight, maybe, happily, we would end up serving others better too. After all, if we don't routinely get better, how can the work if we don't consistently love it, how can anyone else? It's scary, but powerful and fun. Keep, 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 keep it going. It's unthinkable. A show about trusting your intuition, not the conventional thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I want you to make the leap from what best practices say you should do to what your intuition is urging you to try. So each episode, we hear stories from creative professionals who have done something refreshing or unconventional that the everyday expert would never recommend. But it's only unthinkable until you hear their side of the story. And today's story is about Chris Levine. Chris is one of the most prolific and creative video producers in the world, and definitely in the world of tech companies. He's the head of production for Wistia, where he's been for just over 11 years, Wistia sells software that helps brands create, host, market, and measure their videos. So, yes, Chris does video at a video software company. And Chris Levine, head of production, was hired 11 years ago by Chris Savage, the CEO.
1: I actually tried to convince Chris Savage not to hire me. I'm like, Chris, I love you. I love this company. I love the videos we make here. There aren't enough videos to make to bring me on full time. You're wasting your money. And he's like, no, you know, Chris uh, well, I'm pretty sure we can find some stuff for you to do. <laughs> uh,
0: and he was right. Very, very right. When Levine was asked to join full time, he'd made about 75 videos for Wistia over about 12 months. After those 75, he was thinking, look, this might be running its course. I asked Chris, since those 75 videos in that first year, how many
1: videos has he and the video team at Wistia made? Well over three thousand videos. <laughs> that's not counting looping videos. Like little video gifts. That's north of five thousand. We've made thousands of those things.
0: You're at 75. You're like, that's it, we've run that's out. That's it. That's no that's more. No more. That's okay, okay you know our fast job forward. here is done so <laughs> later, everybody. I'm out of you're, here. You're hired to build a house, you put you had put a hammer down on the ground, and you were like, There's no more to do. That's it, it's done. <laughs> The company has hundreds of thousands of other companies using their platform, and they're maybe best known for their original shows about building brands and making video, as well as their collection of educational videos to help others make great video. It's a, it's a lot
1: of video. Okay, video gear. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I am passionate about helping people make videos using the tools and the gear that they already have.
0: One of their more recent and a lot quirkier projects is an original series, a cartoon series, featuring anthropomorphic video gear characters like cameras and microphones. The series is called Gear Squad, and that's where these characters would battle their evil arch nemesis, who was hellbent on making their video marketing boring. The supervillain was named Dr. uh, Boring. Even small moments in Wistia videos will often contain little surprises, whether someone is firing a confetti cannon in the office, or Chris Levine's dog Lenny starts trotting by for the hundredth time as a character in the video. And I should disclose here that in the past, Wistia has been both a sponsor of mine and has hired me to consult on some of their series. If you know Wistia already, you know how poorly I'm really capturing how those videos feel. And if you don't know Wistia, but you appreciate creativity, change that. Behind it all, for over 11 years, there's been Chris Levine, head of production. He's one of the biggest reasons that Wistia has taught millions of marketers to expect the unexpected from the company's content. But before all that, Chris was just trying to figure out life as a freelancer, a freelancer who didn't have much say creatively about most of the projects he worked on.
1: Before Wistia, my life was a video producer jumping from job to job. I would basically take a day-rate editing gig. I'll take a day-rate After Effects gig. I would take a day-rate video gig. I would shoot everything and edit myself. Uh, I was basically hopping from job to job and in an essence, I was only as good as my last video. The folks that were hiring me to shoot, edit, produce a video, they're like, oh, yeah, we saw this so-and-so video, we wanna do something just like that. So I had to make a video very much like that. And if I didn't make a video like that, you know, I would risk not getting paid or making the client not like me. So I was quite constrained uh, in that regard because I was either day rate doing somebody else's vision for a video, just kind of being a warm butt in a seat, so to speak. Or I was making the same video and over and over and over and over again. When Chris was first introduced to
0: Wistia, they were a video hosting company with
1: almost no video on their website. And so when I was introduced to Wistia, I'm like, this, this doesn't make sense. And then when I went up there uh, for the first time, this was my first experience with a startup And seeing younger people working and people actually having a good time working. Before this, I came from kind of a blue collar family and never knew that a startup was a thing. This is back in 2011. And I was like so blown away. I took my camera out and started filming. And it was like shooting fish in a barrel.
0: Every shot was so much more interesting than any of the work Chris had previously done for clients as a freelancer. Like walking around the office, he'd turn the corner and see the CEO and co-founder of the company, Chris Savage, flying a toy helicopter.
1: I'm seeing somebody uh, pair programming, basically, two computers next to each other, and they're both jamming on lines and lines of code. In the next room, I see somebody like cracking a beer at work. Never seen that before granted this stuff has started to become kind of passe, but in in 2011, this was a novel. This was a novelty. I couldn't believe that people, these people were getting paid to do this.
0: So he shot footage of the office in Boston, went back to his home in Rhode Island that night and edited together a video
1: montage, which he sent to the company just as a thank you for having him stop by. And they loved it. They put it on their website and then they noticed something crazy. They noticed that they started closing deals because people wanted to know who they were doing business with. At this point, Wistia had a very fancy about us page. Everyone was in suit and ties. You had no idea how big or how small Wistia was. When we made this video, we put ourselves out there. This was our authentic self. We were five people just in a small brick, white brick building with a ping pong table making software. And people loved that. And that just snowballed into being comfortable sharing who we are. Chris was asked
0: to work with Wistia on Retainer. Every month, he'd create a few videos teaching Wistia's prospects about the power of the company's software and occasionally the power of using video in your marketing more broadly. After about a year, CEO Chris Savage told Chris Levine that he wanted to hire the video producer full-time. And so now a full-time video producer at Wistia, Chris Levine began what I would call the spaghetti
1: phase of his corporate career. We were throwing a bunch of stuff on the wall to see what would stick. Blog videos, tutorial videos, new front page videos, a series of learning videos, early webinars. We were doing culture videos. We were making trailers for parties that we were having. It was a crazy Thing to have a staff video producer so we could make a video that only two people saw. We made a video for MailChimp when they hit one million users. That was only to be seen by one person. Nobody was doing that because to to make a high-quality video at that point, you'd have to pay thousands of dollars to have somebody come in. They're hitting you with the day rate. They're giving you an edit. I was already there. I was already paid. I was – cranking stuff out and seeing what would, what would work. And what was most exciting was I was trying to find new places that a business could use video. If you
0: didn't end up at Wistia, uh, you know, thinking back as, you know, I know it's been a while, but put yourself in the mentality of, of Chris as the freelancer, going gig to gig, day rate to day rate, asked to deliver on spec and that's all you can do because you want to get paid. Um, how much longer did you have in your mind? to keep doing that before
1: something would have had to change. I actually took a pay cut to go to Wistia. I was making so much money on freelance gigs that to take a full-time job at Wistia, which was a startup and didn't have a huge number for a salary, if I had to keep going on that freelance route, I would have plateaued creatively. It seems like when you're a freelancer, you can really push yourself creatively on your own time. And you know, I love video, and it's that thing where like I, I love video as a hobby, I love video as my career, but as it started to take hold of my career, I wasn't as excited about trying on my downtime, trying out new stuff on my downtime. So I think if my career I wish it didn't start, I probably would have burnt out creatively. Because I would have been making the same video over and over again. Maybe I would have hired a couple of new people and I would have been fighting for different jobs and would have had some good years, some bad years. I would have doubted myself and wouldn't have had anybody or any coworker or colleague to be like, hey, you know, everybody goes through this. Everyone goes through the creative slump. It's okay. That's part of the creative process. It's so much harder to actually have that as a freelancer. And somebody, you know, that's one of the things that's incredible about Wistia being so creatively driven to our core that we value and celebrate the creative process and for all of its ups and downs.
0: I just want to jump in here to confess something that I don't think I've admitted to you before. This show is the first thing I do that suffers when I'm getting paid well. Historically, I've sold my time as a freelancer. And yeah, I have a course on how to make a great show. Yes, I have a book. These are things that I can sell without limits, without really taxing my time because they're products. But my main business is to deliver client services, keynote speaking, consulting and advising teams or coaching executives or creators one-to-one and developing and frequently hosting shows for brands. And I love that. But for almost 200 episodes of this show, When I suddenly have a ton of client engagements, as I do right now actually here in September of 2022, when I feel flush with income, I don't always feel fulfilled creatively because this show becomes harder to get to or else I just don't feel like doing things in my free time that feel like at all similar to my client work. So I totally get what Chris is saying. And I just wanted to echo it because I don't think creative people talk about this enough. Freelance work doesn't always mean you get to be more creative. Sometimes an in-house job actually allows you to take more risks and to play more because you're not just responsible for these deliverables or you're fired. You're part of the team. Perhaps you have a little more wiggle room than if you were to go independent. It's just that maybe people like me make the independent work seem a little more glamorous because I do a show like this. Don't let the popular cultural dialogue that indie work is somehow better Cloud your own judgment when you decide which path is right for you. Anyways, I just had to get that out there once and for all. You mentioned the phrase creative slump. It's interesting because when you're in one, it's your world. It's everything. It feels catastrophic. You can't help but get sucked into some negative self-talk or even color your view on Projects you shipped that were good, you only see the negative. Projects that you usually appreciate from others, you only feel jealousy. It just colors your world. But from the outside looking in, especially at an organizational level like people viewing Wistia, I think it's easy for people in marketing, you know, growing up alongside Wistia as I have to say, well, Levine's only experienced creative joy and creative success throughout his tenure at Wistia. It seems to me like that probably is unlikely.
1: (laughs) Did you go through any creative slumps after joining Wistia? Creative slumps are just part of the, it's part of the gig. And if we're being honest with each other, I'm a very open and honest person, Jay. I'm in a creative slump right now. Right before I came on this podcast, I was shooting a new video and we're in our office and we had other people in the office. And you know what? I'm out of practice shooting other people It's not even their job to be on camera, so I have limited time with them. I'm out of practice. I should have planned better. I should have went through pre-production. I should have actually made a shot list and a schedule. Instead, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I'm losing people because they have to go to meetings. I'm losing light. I'm in a slump right now. I'm out of practice. Even when the rust isn't there due to, oh, I don't know, a global
0: pandemic, when Chris evaluates his own body of work, he sees a very low success rate. Only every so often does he go, yep, we totally
1: nailed it. The product matches the vision. I'd say one in every 20 videos hits that vision. Wow. And that's okay because when that happens, it feels so good. And when it doesn't happen, you try to – trace back to the points of why it doesn't happen. Okay, maybe I didn't spend enough time in pre-production planning this out. Maybe next time I actually need to storyboard some of these more critical shots. Maybe I need to know when my limits as a producer are being pushed and I need to hire outside help. So every video that doesn't hit the vision is an opportunity to learn why it didn't hit the vision and make it better the next time. Chris
0: has been at Wistia for 11 years, and for the first three, he says he didn't make the same video twice. It was all original work. But as the videos began to pile up, he says you just can't help but circle back to the same street and make the same thing. I know this all too well. It's like you stop doing original work and you start feeling like you're part of a cover band, but the songs you're singing are your own. It kind of feels like you're just doing an imitation of what you're supposed to do, an imitation
1: of your best work, never actually quite nailing it. You just start recycling some of the videos that you're making. There was a time where it was a novel thing to make a video inviting somebody to a webinar. I've probably made 50 of those videos at this point. <laughs> there was a moment last year where I said, you know, F it, we're doing something totally different. And that is that is what makes my job really awesome. That's what keeps me at Wistia because we made this thing called Webinar Attendee. Instead of the typical talking head saying, hey, I'm Chris, join me for
0: my webinar on May 25th. Instead of that video, which he'd made 50 times, Webinar Attendee was like a toy commercial, like with Barbies and GI Joes dressed up to look like startup employees pretending to be office workers on a tiny little set Featuring a giant hand, probably Chris Levine's, manipulating these dolls as they logged into a webinar. Okay, you're not you're not picturing it. Here, just just listen. Introducing a brand new action figure that's ready to listen and ready
1: to learn. Watch as webinar attendee realistically logs into a webinar and gets actionable insights from industry experts. Hey, where's the passcode? This webinar is about to start. Webinar Attendee, Webinar Attendee Worried about posture? Don't be. Webinar Attendee comes with an ergonomic chair, complete with lumbar support. Wow, my lower back feels great. Webinar Attendee, webinar webinar attendee can watch webinars about anything like Wistia's webinar about creative video ideas for business with Chris Levine. I'll sign up and get the calendar invite in my inbox. Awesome. Webinar attendee. Webinar attendee. It's webinar attendee and Wistia's Creative Video Ideas for Business webinar. Watch today. When I showed that to my parents they're like what is it you do again? So it's interesting to track how you are making the same video and over and over again, but your creative palette changes and you get more confidence to try new stuff and to break out, even if that task is the same. We're inviting people to a webinar. At a certain point, the creative ideas run out and it's like, all right, we could Do a talking head on this. We can throw a simple gag on it. And gag is just one little funny thing that you add on top of a script to make it feel a little funny. So at this point, halfway through my tenure at Wistia, my creative partner, Dan Mills and I, we're coming up with the scripts and the ideas and he's directing and I'm shooting and we're collaborating together. And we hit a point where it's like, all right, that's it, we've done it all. We have conquered Wistia Creative. There's nothing left in the tank. And that's when we were able to convince Chris and Brendan to let us spend a lot of money to work with our friends at Sandwich Video to make 110 Ah, uh, yes, 1,
0: 10, 100. This was a docu-series about the effects of budget constraints on creativity. Wistia paid the agency Sandwich Video to create three video ads for the Wistia product, only it wasn't really three different ads. It was the same ad created at three different budget levels, all made by the team at Sandwich Video, with Chris and his team shooting behind the scenes for the docu-series. Okay, you're not, you're not picturing it. Here, just, just listen. I don't think we've ever gotten to do something like this in the nine year history of sandwich video. They say creativity is born out of constraint, but on the other hand, shouldn't more money make the creative process easier? Let me to take one mark.
1: I have a lot uh, riding on this personally. <laughs> the first cut, you watch it and your heart sinks and it's just like, ooh, they really tried something there, but it did not work.
0: We're with Steve, and this is 110100, a documentary series where we challenged a video production agency to make three videos at three very different price points. One for $1,000, one for $10,000, and one video
1: for $100,000. That's the biggest light stand I've ever seen. Join us as we discover how money can simplify, complicate, and ultimately change the creative process. We aren't off schedule as much as we just altered the schedule. 40 people in your space, you know, moving heavy equipment, it put me a little on edge. If you're missing a shot, you can't just go back and tear apart the office and rebuild it. You have to make sure that you have everything on the day, and that it's going to work in post.
0: We'll uncover how creative professionals allocate money as their budgets increase. Uh,
1: can we do our own makeup? No.
0: And are we in this? Yes. So do we not want to look like sh-? We get the hair and makeup person.
1: Experience what it's like to be on the set of a big budget video. Oh, this is an area of mirror. Sides. Tiny script. Lavalier. Tiny microphone. Hi-hat. Tiny tripod. Pony. Tiny horse. Well played. And watch a Hollywood director make a video with an iPhone. It's kind of made me reframe in my head what you really need to put out a good video. So what does it take to make a great video? In the grand scheme of things, maybe the videos that we've produced, the 1k, the 10k, and the 100k, maybe there isn't as big of a difference as people might think. You see that? Yeah. This is
0: Yeah, I got that. Yeah,
1: I got that. It great. It's great. Okay.
0: This okay. is 1, 100.
1: So in doing 1, 100 it opened up our minds to what you can do with creative constraints. It gave us permission to expand that creative palette and to think differently about the joy of creative constraints and how that actually is quite liberating when you have a set of bumpers. We want to make this video in the four walls of this office That limits you so much in a beautiful way where you can do something like, hey, you know what would be funny? Let's get a beach chair and we'll go to Home Depot. We'll get a tarp and, you know, 500 pounds of beach sand. We'll get a beach background. We'll put that right in the middle of our office. We'll start the camera in super tight on this shot so it looks like somebody's at the beach. We'll pull out to reveal that everyone is just working while this person is sitting with a beach umbrella on beach sand that's clearly on a tarp. That's pretty wild, but that idea is born out of the constraints of, hey, we have to do this inside. That's the thing about resource constraints.
0: They come in lots of different forms like budget, location, team, time, gear, whether or not Lenny the dog is willing to obey his master Chris during his thousandth appearance in a Wistia video. And oh, by the way, zero creative people or teams in history have felt unconstrained zero creative people or teams have felt like they've had enough resources to do what they envision themselves doing. I mean, think about the most capital-rich creative project today. How about a Marvel movie? Even people making Marvel movies feel resource-constrained because it turns out a mountain of money still feels insufficient to dominate the globe. Adding resources also increases stakes, which means it increases the expectations, which means it becomes harder to exceed them. Nobody has ever just magically been gifted resources without any increase in expectations from others. None of us ever feel like we have enough. All of us feel constrained. It's what we do within our constraints that counts. Creativity is about resourcefulness, not resources. Chris Levine has created a ridiculous number of videos. And when that is your body of work, a funny thing happens. A small number of old projects seem to emerge consistently from this huge number of total projects, even years later. Buried in my and all bodies of work are these gems that keep shining through. And Chris Levine has a bigger body of work than most. So I asked him... What does he keep hearing about? And he said, oh, that's easy. When Wistia announced their new enterprise plan. I'm sorry, what? This happened way back in 2015. Ah, 2015. We were young then. (sighs) So naive. But in 2015, in a blog post, Wistia announced something rather boring. They had a new enterprise tier of their product. New pricing, more powerful features for larger companies who could buy their software. It was announced in a blog post with an embedded video. Pretty routine and pretty bland for a software company to announce such a thing until you consider how Wistia announced it. They announced it with a parade. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great honor we announce the Wistia Enterprise Plan.
1: Yeah, we have a new enterprise plan, higher higher price plan. It's pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> it's just such a BS thing to announce. Like, who's making a video announcing a higher price plan? That's so lame. And so what we balanced out that lameness with was something that's so ridiculous that a company would do. Not that we would just do it, but we would shut down the whole company for a day to make it happen. So we didn't get a permit for this parade. (laughs) (laughs) So we have this marching band going, and I had no idea if the cops were going to come shut us down. This is also a one-shot video. So what's awesome about a one-shot video, and I love this about a one-shot video, is once it's in the can, it's done. You have very little editing to do. There's very little editing puzzle piecing that you can do. So because it was a one-shot, we had, you know, us do this whole parade maybe three or four times before the band actually was playing. So we had them just fake playing. They're walking through the shot just in case anybody called the cops on us. Because for this shot, this is outside of our office. And fortunately, on Emily Street in, in Cambridge, it's a pretty, pretty quiet street. But I had arranged as many employees that had cars to occupy the spots on the street so that we had the whole street to ourselves in the morning. Cause again, we didn't, we didn't pull a permit for any of this. <laughs> so I'm seeing this shot. I'm so proud of the fact that I was able to get a nice clean looking street. I also, I remember there was a signpost that was really ruining the shot. It was off angle and it looked really bad. And so I actually had an impact uh, wrench that I, I unscrewed the, the uh, no parking sign for this shot too. <laughs> That's awesome. And I actually had my aunt, my auntie Justine, who is an incredible arts and crafts uh, person. She came up and did all the set design for this trailer. So I gave her a budget. She bought all this stuff, uh, all the frills and all the balloons. And um, so we had her, uh, her dress the whole thing to be a, kind of like a parade float.
0: Did you sketch out, like, a, a rough look at what the parade would be like? Like, how do you—I understand, like, there's a shot list and certain types of videos and a script. What are the materials necessary to, like, create this on camera?
1: This wouldn't have been possible without mock-ups. So we went out a week before we were trying to shoot with a camera to see what the framing looked like, how dense we needed to keep people— because I didn't want to shut the business down and all the all of our employees for too long so I wanted to be respectful of everybody's time so the best way to do that is to just go out put the camera up see what it looks like as opposed to thinking about it and storyboarding it and writing it out if if you have access to the location just go put the camera up you're going to learn so much about it and we learned a lot about what time of the day to do this at too right. you know we knew that we needed to do it Uh, relatively early in the day because of the way the sun hit. Otherwise, it was going to be backlit. So this is a one-shot video. We did the the parade probably seven times. And on the seventh time, I was behind the camera. I knew we had a good take. So I called, cut. Oh, that's great. And everyone kind of got together in front of the office and we're kind of all laughing and high-fiving. And then the marching band started to play and it turned into a massive dance party. And I'm dancing and I'm like, oh my God, I should probably get this footage. So I grab the camera and I'm shooting people. We're all dancing, we're dancing on the float. Lenny's over there, Uh, our office dog, he's getting held, everyone's dancing. I look over and I see there's families from the neighborhood coming over. To get in on the dancing, so that, so there's a, a mom and their two kids, <laughs> and another family comes over, and everyone's looking at us. We're a bunch of software engineers, and we're dancing in front of our office. It was <laughs> such a memorable thing, and making something so creative for something that was so lame is—you're basically doing the unexpected, and you're right. you're, you know, it's uh. It actually is a, it's a, it's a sneaky trick, really. If you were to dissect this, it's a lot harder to make a good video that doesn't have something so absurd about a new p- pricing plan. That's, a, that's an impossible task. That's really tough. But when you give yourself permission to think way outside of the box and your brand allows for it, you can do something like this which is truly special and just stands the test of time.
0: Chris routinely hears about this parade video even seven years later. He also hears about 110 the docu-series, quite a bit. Both come back around because both are radically different. The parade is different thanks to the gimmick a mechanic or trope which might feel irrelevant or strange or out of place that gets added to an experience to make it more delightful or memorable. It's the gimmick. That's why the parade is radically different. The docu-series is different not because of a gimmick, but because of a quest, a grand journey or expedition they went on to investigate and understand something more deeply, to bring back with them, to us, something powerful. That series is about saying something that matters to people who deeply care. Now both of those things, the parade and the docu series, exceeded audience expectations because both, in their own ways, were Chris and his team just trying not to get bored, and that made them radically different. But to be memorable, maybe you're not radically different. Maybe you're disproportionately useful. The next video that Chris mentioned to me, and always hears about from his backlog of content, is not a big spectacle. It's not an inspiring docu series. It's a simple, almost standard Wistia video featuring Chris Savage, CEO of the company, on camera talking to you about how to shoot video with an iPhone. What was the backstory to this video?
1: This was actually made to prove a point. I had made several videos at this point for Wistia, and I'd been shooting them on my 5D with very basic lights and a paper background and a basic tripod. It was probably a... It's probably two grand worth of gear. And um, we got some trolls in our blog comments because we were making one post about how, you know, more and more businesses can be making videos like, you know, this one. And it would be a video that I shot on my 5D. And and we're getting trolls in the comments. We're like, oh, yeah, of course you can make a video like this. You probably have a fancy, you know, red camera. And you got some nice Carl Zeiss lenses on there, Ari Primes on there. So yeah, anybody can make a good video with that. And so I took that as a personal attack. I'm like, what? No, you, you can make a good video with any camera. And to prove it, we're going to make a video with an iPhone 4. So that was the genesis for this video was, okay, you think we can't do it with an iPhone? Watch this. At Wistia, we get
0: asked all the time what kind of camera we use.
1: Well, our
0: camera of choice is the Canon 5D.
1: But you don't need a 5D to shoot a great video. That's why we're shooting this video on an iPhone 4S.
0: And in the video, Chris Savage shows us how to use the iPhone to shoot high-quality footage, capture the person's voice using an app on the iPhone for your microphone, even set up lighting using iPhones. And the entire thing had a timely, empowering message at the end, which made it an effective story that the company was telling the marketing world.
1: It doesn't matter what camera you're using. It's about paying attention to lighting and framing and audio. And ultimately, it's about getting the right message on camera. So grab your iPhone and start shooting.
0: I think the lighting part is, is really cool. This idea that you can actually light a subject with your iPhone. Can you just talk about that part?
1: I knew I was going to get some haters talking about how good the lighting is. I'm like, okay, of course you can make an iPhone look good. You probably have thousands and thousands of dollars of lighting. And so to prove a point, I love this shot and ended up being the thumbnail of the video. We had everyone in the office come down and just light Chris's face with nothing but the flashlights from the phone. So the whole point of this video was basically to prove the later point that we proved at Wistia, which was creativity is born out of constraints. Yes. If you have a constraint of you only have an iPhone, you have to get pretty creative, but you you can, with creative ingenuity, make a great video with almost any piece of gear. And that goes for podcasts. It goes for painting. It goes for almost any skill you can do a lot with a little. This is something you see a lot of
0: YouTubers on the offensive talking about, like you just shoot it from your phone. And like, it's become part of the cultural norms more so than, than back then. But even now I feel like people don't get this. It's much more about the wizard and not the wand. And yeah. people think it's the reverse. I mentioned these are the videos that keep coming back around. You keep thinking about them or more so you keep hearing about them from other people, even though it was a long time ago that you made this. Why do you think this
1: one has stuck around and people keep talking about it? This sent from my iPhone video, it truly does embody the constraints of being creative at a business. Chances are you work at a boring business. There are very few businesses that are really, really exciting. Video hosting is not an exciting thing we build software we have a player we have a marketing team we have to support people it's not exciting so it's your job as a creative to find the story to be able to tell that story and to be able to insert creativity where your brand allows it to be it's part of the gig really that's the
0: thing about the work we do if we long for the acclaim of an audience There lies the road to madness. All we can really do is fight like hell to keep ourselves going and growing. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was written and edited by me with production support from Alana Nevins. Special thanks to Chris Levine for his generosity and creativity. If you share the show, and I hope you do, please remember to thank him too. If you like the show, consider my free newsletter, Playing Favorites, where I make the case every other week that we should stop trying to be the best and start trying to be their favorite. What does it actually take to resonate, to create work so beloved that others pick you, stick with you, and stick up for you? despite infinite options. So every other week you can get original stories from me plus a swipe file of useful resources from another storyteller that I feature. Also, whenever I pilot new projects or do live virtual hangouts or launch new products or services, my email subscribers are the first ones to get access and often discounts. So you can join thousands of creators, entrepreneurs, marketers, and executives, all of whom want to create work that they love and others love too. Subscribe for free at jayaconzo.com or use the link in your show notes back soon with a new episode of the show we're creeping towards 200 and have something really fun planned for that one but until then keep making what matters see ya